Dr. Rima and guests, welcome to the Dr. Rima Truth Reports, the Unmasked Crusaders. The Unmasked Crusaders. Well, I prefer being live to many of the options that are being offered to me by the globalist monster, uh, pandemicist, uh, uh, holocaustists, holocaustists. And so, yes, this is the Dr. Rima Truth Reports. I am live, you are live, and I hope to God unjabbed by the horrendous so-called vaccine. We're going to be talking about that. We have three, count them, three extraordinary guests. We have Ian Trottier, we have Dr. Artis, and we have Eric Price. Do I have that name right? Do, yes, I think so. Um, Phelps. Oh, I'm so sorry. The uh, Dr. Artis and Eric Phelps are being uh, introduced to us by Ian Trottier, and we know Ian is someone whom we uh, we can trust to be discerning about what's going on. Ian has brought us uh, his posse today, uh, and he is going to be covering, looking at two different sides of the same damn coin. Understand that. We're no longer talking about subject areas. Oh, well, that's political science. Oh, well, that's medicine. Oh, well, that's sociology. Oh, well, that's agriculture. Nope. The globalists who are really quite smart and who have really been working on this for a very long time from back when they were called uh, Fabian socialists, same thing. These guys and gals, including Margaret Sanger, have been working on this plan that we are now living in the culmination of for a very long time. Now, living in the culmination of it is really quite challenging, but it gives us the opportunity to finally end this combined set of interlocked evils. And that's what globalism or Fabian socialism is. It is a combined set of multi-pronged interlocked evils. And we understand the interlocking and we therefore have the ability to literally cut all the heads off the hydra. You remember in Greek mythology, there was this many headed monster called the hydra. And if you cut off one head or two heads, more sprang up where you had cut them off. So the only thing you could do was cut the whole damn thing to ribbons. And that's what we're doing with this globalist uh, evil. Before I welcome Ian, who was shaking his head, he, apparently we are very much on the same path uh, and same page here. Ralph, do you have anything you would like to uh, focus on as we begin? The Unmasked Crusader? I am working on uh, posting a note on uh, our Telegram chat, reminding folks that we're live right now. Perfect. And I, I noticed that you said earlier about two sides of the same coin. I wanted to point out that was not a magical coin that just appeared nowhere, but rather a diabolical coin that had been planned for a long time. That's it. Exactly. Let me put my exactly. name here. So and we are on, by the way, peopleforpeople.com. And I'm putting up people for people dot ning dot com and that's right. what I'm typing at this moment to telegram. Great. So Ian, talk to us. Welcome. What yes. have you been doing? What have you got on your, your very, very active mind right now? Thank you. And and, and while I while I make this intro, um, does anyone that has that contact 
would they please bring in Eric as he's standing by? And I want to bring him into this oh. uh, conversation while I, while, I, while I make the intro here. I, I have uh, recently had on my program um, uh, uh, Alan Keyes, uh, who's, a, who's a great uh, theologian and politician, really. Um, uh, he's joined me. And also uh, Larry, uh, uh, Larry Clayman has joined me. He's got something that he's doing in Philadelphia, li literally on my program. Uh, Sunday evening, he said that we need a new government in the United States and we need a revolution. Now, he's not he's not he's not saying we need a, a violent revolution or a physical revolution, but we need to reorganize immediately this government. So what I what I wanted to bring to the show today. Uh, thank you, Ralph and Rima. What I wanted to bring to the show today are two very important perspectives from from two scholars in academia. And the first we're going to start with is author Eric Phelps of course, that will be bringing a theologian perspective. What we have right now is an attack on our religious freedoms. Our churches are being Excuse closed. Me one second. Uh, uh, Eric Phelps just joined, I believe. Let me just check. Uh, uh, Eric, are you here? Uh, yes, I am, doctor. Splendid. Forgive me for interrupting you, Ian. Welcome, Eric. Ian Pardon is talking me, Ian. about you, and it's always best if you talk about someone in their presence. Go ahead. <laughs> My ears are burning. <laughs> So, so, so uh, Eric and I, uh, this is the first time that he and I are actually speaking, but he has written a very impressive book uh, called The uh, Vatican Assassins that I want him to uh, start talking about. And, and we'll open up that uh, discussion here in a moment. And then what we'll do at about the 645 mark is we're going to bring in uh, Dr. Brian Artis. Uh, Dr. Brian Artis has some really incredible information that he's going to bring in regards to the injections, otherwise known uh, uh, in, 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 uh, unofficially, really, because they're not, they're not approved by the FDA as vaccines. We're not going to use that term on, on the show. Well, let me, uh, let me interrupt you for a second. Yeah. This is so important. I'm, I'm rudely interrupting you, Ian. Um, they're not vaccines because they don't meet the legal definition of a vaccine. And I need to take a second to talk about that. A vaccine by legal definition presents an antigen to the body, which then produces antibodies to the antigen. Whether it actually works to present, prevent disease is another question. It doesn't. But that's what a vaccine is. These uh, jabs, as I choose to call them, these jabs do not do that. And at no point in their research or patenting or marketing have they in fact been either designed to or shown to prevent infection, prevent transmission, prevent symptoms, prevent any aspect of being sick uh, or dying from this, uh, this alleged uh, organism, this alleged coronavirus. Uh, so we need to not call them vaccines. We need to call them what they are, which is jabs. Thank you, Please, Dr. Go ahead. So, so, so that's what we'll do here uh, in, in the next, the two segments is we'll start with, uh, with Eric Phelps from a theological perspective, and then we'll, we'll, we'll segue into uh, Dr. Artis, who will, who, will, who will talk about what you've just explained, uh, Dr. Rima, in, in regards to uh, some of these, uh, some of these uh, the, the dangers of this objection. Um, so uh, now, uh, to update uh, viewers and listeners as to my work, uh, Freedom Reserve No More Lies, Lies is a book that I have on pre-order, Trine Day Publishing. It's been in the works now for a couple of years. I've had the contract for a couple of years. Uh, that'll be coming uh, hopefully in a couple of months. It's on pre-order, Amazon, and chapters from other outlets uh, internationally. And, and I really think I have a golden eye, and I, I'm using that in a pun, pun term. I think I have a golden eye with where, where, where this is going. So 
Um, so, so, so listeners and viewers can look for that. And of course, ianterrottier.com will bring uh, everyone up to speed with some of the stuff that I'm doing. That's T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R. So without further ado, I want to welcome uh, Eric Phelps onto the program. Two programs, basically. This is Discuss the Truth and also Dr. Rima Truth Reports, officially Dr. Rima Truth Reports. So welcome to the program, Doc, uh, Eric Phelps. A pleasure to be with you, Ian, and your listeners and the docs. And it's yeah. a great pleasure to welcome you. Uh, I think that, as I said earlier, before we had managed to join you to the program, the traditional divisions of this is a problem over here, but it doesn't touch that and vice versa no longer matter. We are talking about one linked set of assaults and destructions, which must be stopped by understanding all of it and cutting the monster at its, its basic level. So please welcome to the show and tell us what you've been doing. Tell us about your book, your work. Okay, um, <clears throat> I spent the last, oh, I'd say 25, 30 years in the investigation of the power of the Jesuit order. And I wrote my book, Vatican Assassins. My first edition was 2001. My third edition was 2007. And I increased its length to 1,836 pages with 760 pictures and portraits. So, so uh, what's a book without pictures? Yes, <laughs> right. and what is the so, Dr. Rima Truth Reports without faces? Thank that's you. right. Okay, Thank but, okay, very. I was looking for that to click. <laughs> so... Uh, <clears throat> I started this, you know, many years ago, and I learned that Western civilization is born out of the Protestant Reformation. And so the, the, the understanding of the last 500 years, I believe, is uh, the Reformation with the Bible in the hands of the common man in his language versus the Counter-Reformation with the Jesuit order and Ignatius Loyola. So it's Martin Luther versus Ignatius Loyola. And so Western civilization is born out of the Reformation. We have 1648 with the ending of the Thirty Years' War and the Dutch Revolution. And so that begins what's called the modern era in all your secular historians. And it's this time where you have the rise of the middle class, honest money, uh, nationalities, national borders. Uh, the creation of all the different sciences takes place then. And then also you have a place, nations, historically white Protestant nations where the Jews can flee to. And they're not going to be persecuted as they are in Muslim or Catholic countries, which is one of the reasons for the excellence of Western civilization. So I wrote the book on this, and I also carried it into the Kennedy assassination, how the Jesuits assassinated John F. Kennedy, and uh, 13 of the presidents. And then I also cover somewhat 9-11, uh, how the Jesuits brought that about with their secret societies, Bonesmen, Knights of Columbus, and others, uh, to bring us where we are now and this whole Jesuit jab, I call it the Jesuit jab, is for the purpose, it's their final nail in the coffin, they believe, of Western civilization. So I show Fauci and Redfield and other Jesuits involved in this, and it's completely overseen by the Jesuit papacy. Pope Francis I is also promoting this along with the Jesuit general, Arturo Sosa. So it's Vatican run all through the secret societies in every nation, and that's why they can pull this off worldwide. So... I want listeners and viewers to to conceptualize this. And you, you brought up a very good point in that uh, in that the United States, uh, as we know, it was was started by the Protestant uh, Reformation, really those aboard the, the Mayflower. And that's a that's a totally separate and different entity to what George Washington uh, represented militaristically. Uh, speak a little bit about that foundation in 1776. And, and, and it, it reverberates 
through decades and, and, and the, the, the two centuries, a little more than two centuries now uh, in the United States with some of these assassinations, uh, principal assassinations uh, of Abraham Lincoln, JFK, for instance, how that equates to the monetary system that we uh, basically are enslaved to by the Federal Reserve. If you, would, if you would take a moment, Eric, and break this down from a 1776 element of those two factions, how those were met in that constitution, and then how uh, those struggles reverberated um, uh, through uh, natural re- control of natural resources and corporations. Okay, <clears throat> 1776, we have a Declaration of Independence. It's modeled after the Mecklenburg Declaration of North Carolina, when in 1775, North Carolina, with 22 thoroughgoing Calvinists, declared their independence from King George III. The Mecklenburg Declaration was used as a pattern for the Declaration of Independence. And as you know, there are five authors of the Declaration of Independence, not just one. One of them was Roger Sherman, the great uh, Calvinist from Connecticut, who wrote a, a caveat against injustice, which was for hard money, no paper money. So he was the one who wrote, no state shall make anything but gold and silver coin, a tender and payment of debt in the Constitution, those 17 words. So, so historic Protestant nations used gold and silver coin. They were not going to use paper money because that's how the papacy enslaved Europe. And they were called indulgences by John Dowling in his great work, The History of Romanism in 1845. So paper money are indulgences. Indulgences to sin. So in 1776, the Declaration of Independence, in 1787, the Constitution is finished, 1789, uh, nine states decide to ratify it, and uh, so it's ratified 1789, and the federal government is put into place, and the Jesuits hate it. They hate George Washington. George Washington was the greatest man of the 1700s. He was murdered, he was poisoned with anthrax, and I cover this in my book, Vatican Assassins. And so they set out then to set back this little historic white Anglo-Saxon Protestant republic here in the Western Hemisphere. So they poisoned John Adams. They, they poisoned Jefferson on the same day, July 4th, 1826. They poisoned James Monroe on July 4th, 1832, I believe, 31. So they're busy hacking away at seeking to destroy this little republic that has honest money, it has property ownership. You don't have any property tax. Everybody owns their property in a lodial freehood. Um, it's a place where there is freedom of speech. Remember, the First Amendment is the Baptist First Amendment, uh, written by George, uh, James Madison at the behest of the Baptist preacher John Leland in Virginia, who said Virginia will not ratify this Constitution unless there is some sort of religious liberty clause in it. And so it's called the Baptist First Amendment, unlike the Protestants would ever do that or the Roman Catholics. And so we had true freedom of worship in this country, and we also had uh, true property ownership uh, freedoms. Again, I say the Jews were not per- uh, persecuted. So many Jews came to this country to seek asylum after suffering for several hundred years in Europe and Muslim nations. So it was a great place. So the Jesuits set out to destroy it. And so one of the things they did is they started the their bank, their Bank of the United States. And ultimately, for its renewal, uh, Andrew Jackson killed it. And so they hated him for that and tried to shoot him with Lawrence and both pistols misfired, as you know. And so Jackson uh, saved the country. Washington founded it. Jackson saved it. So then the Jesuits incited their anti-slavery agitation, divided the country geographically, fomented a horrible war, uh, declared the war on the South. And it was, I maintain, a war of northern aggression for the decimation, destruction of the South. So that after that, they could nationalize what was once the federal government. So the 14th Amendment made citizenship national from federal to national citizenship, 
and then began their continual centralization of power with the creation of the government in Washington, D.C. in 1871. And then it goes on with certain Supreme Court cases I teach in my private citizenship class. But then ultimately, uh, they start the registration of births. And birth registration will start in 1906 in Pennsylvania. And it will be completed in 1933. And in 1933, that's when the Jesuits impose emergency war powers, military jurisdiction, emergency war powers, military government on March 9, 1933, using Franklin, damnable Roosevelt, what I call him, the notorious communist. And so in, in a 32nd degree Freemason, and then FDR will be advised by Jesuit Edmund Walsh and Charles Coughlin. Uh, Edmund Walsh was the most powerful Jesuit in the country at the time. So they put under us under military government to then use I mean, the American people as the, as the servants for the papacy to wage war around the world to restore the temporal power of the pope over all nations. Now, most Roman Catholics know nothing of temporal power, but that's all that the Jesuits are concerned about, ruling all nations governmentally from the papacy and using this country as the heart of the new world order when it imposed that in 1933. So the Jesuits put the Federal Reserve in place in 1913. The Federal Reserve, um, the Federal Reserve is run by the Knights of Malta, and so the Federal Reserve will get a monopoly in 1935 with the Banking Act, and since then they have had complete control of the currency. They confiscated all the gold. They issued Executive Order 6102 on April 5th, 1933, and gave all the American people till May 1st, Communist May 1st, day to hand in all their gold. And so by May 1st, all the gold coin, gold certificates, gold bullion has been confiscated by the military government. And then on June 6th, the military government with its Congress outlaws the payment of any debts in gold with HGR 192. And so that is the, that's the actual bankruptcy of the military government. So... The military government's bankrupt, all the gold has been sequestered, all we have is paper money, the credits that the Federal Reserve creates is the M1 money supply, and that's how they control everything. Well, as far as our medical talk here, the Jesuits uh, uh, advised uh, Rockefeller, and you can read uh, a book called Rockefeller and His Rockefeller and His Life, I believe, written in 1904, and it shows that he modeled his standard oil trust after the Jesuit order. He considered himself to be the black pope of the Jesuit order, just like Cecil Rhodes considered himself to be the black pope of the round table. Okay, so they, he sets this up, he has an oil monopoly, and then with this oil monopoly of Rockefeller, they're going to destroy American homeopathy, uh, osteopathy, osteopathy, all the real natural means of health. They're gonna outlaw cannabis, which is a sin and a crime, so that they can have their cancer inquisition raging against us, made possible by all the Jesuit jabs uh, called vaccines to give all these dear little children cancer. And then they're gonna set up their, their, their bioweapons labs to experiment when they have a bioweapons lab at St. Jude's Hospital in Nashville, Tennessee, set up by Danny Thomas, who was a knight of the equestrian order. So the Jesuits run a huge bioweapons lab at, at, uh, at uh, St. Jude's Hospital in Nashville, and they are part of the development of this recombinant virus. So you have the Jesuits then putting upon us this horrible, terrible jab in their, in their quest to finally destroy Western civilization born out of the Reformation. Uh, Eric, that's 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 a lot. Uh, Remy, do you have a comment? That's a lot for people to absorb. Let me let me let me this say this. You, you, for for anyone who's listening that is Catholic and and, and your research is incredibly extensive, but certainly it, it, the the premise of the, the 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 productivity of the United States is this 
concept of religious freedom. And certainly the, the United States and its government were developed from this old Roman model. And the countries we know we see in Europe were all part of. No, it's not a Roman model. It's a Calvinist model. You got to ask yourself two kinds of republics. There are only two kinds of republics, a communist Roman republic and a Calvinist republic. The first Calvinist republic is in Geneva. The second Calvinist republic is in the United Netherlands after their 80-year civil war. The third Calvinist republic is the United States, these United States of America. So this republic was born out of the Reformation and particularly Calvinism, not Rome. Okay, so that's a, that's a misnomer. So with that establishment then, we have I'm, Roman Catholics... I'm like Cromwell. Cromwell says, I quarrel with no man's conscience, but you want to take your church and you want to run my government, it will be war. And this is the doctrine of the temporal power of the Pope. The Pope has two keys on his flag. One's a gold yeah. key, the other's a silver key. The gold key is the spiritual power of the Pope, that it is necessary for every soul to be subject to the Roman pontiff for salvation. You can read this in the bull Unum Sanctum of 1302. And then the other is the silver key. That's the silver key of the temporal power. And it's the same silver key that's on display at NSA headquarters in Fort Meade, Maryland. NSA says if you go there, it's the power of, it's Peter's power of binding and loosing. That's what the silver key symbolizes when the eagle's clutching the silver key at NSA headquarters. Okay? So it's all about political power. That's all they want. And so therefore any religion that wants to establish political power over this country should be outlawed and should not have any liberty whatsoever under the First Amendment. And that's the great problem here. So that's the problem with Islam. Islam wants to rule us through Sharia law. You have Roman Catholicism that wants to rule us through canon law. So any religion that wants to rule your country politically should never have that power. And, and Baptists have never, ever asserted that. Now, something that's interesting from my angle is the we're all connected basically through this World Wide Web, right? And, and, and uh, we do most of our communication on it. Uh, Tim Berners-Lee invented it. I think he started the first web page in 1989. What's interesting is that he did that at the Nuclear Research Laboratory in CERN. Um, and also in Switzerland is this Bank of International Settlements um, uh, in Basel and all the central banks, meaning China, Russia, uh, France, England, the United States, all these central banks feed into that one principal central bank in, in Switzerland. Uh, some comments in, in that regards, Eric. The, the Jesuits set up their banking headquarters in Switzerland. The Jesuits make the money of Israel, the lira, in Switzerland with their Templars. So the banking headquarters for Rome, they have used Switzerland to do this. That's why Switzerland never gets involved in any wars. And Switzerland was a historic Protestant nation, but the Jesuits conquered it. The Jesuits were kicked out of Switzerland in 1848. And I believe they're still formally kicked out. But they run all the banking there. They run the country, and, and they keep Switzerland out of war. And, it's, it's and the, indeed, the Swiss protect the Pope, don't they? That's right. correct. You have a Swiss guard. There are some super soldiers, I will add. And is, yeah. the, is the objective here, Eric, is the objective to... It, 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 to, to digitize all the global currency as this great reset uh, uh, suggests? That's right. They want complete centralization of power financially. So they want to control all the currencies. Now, I'm tending to think they're not going to abolish the currencies because this is how the high knights make all their trillions in trading because currency trading is always inside. 
So if you know where the currency is going to go up or down, up or down, you can make $100 million in one day. And that's what they do. So I don't think they're going to do away with the currencies, but they're going to control them somehow, whereby you will not be able to ultimately in the 70th week of Daniel, which is yet future, when the beast, the Antichrist takes over, that you'll not be able to buy or sell without it. But that's for, for right now, I, you'll get, there's going to be a great reset. But it's, the reset is for the destruction of the last vestige of the middle class in America and Canada. You know, uh, as I'm listening to you, uh, Eric, and this is a, a most important and most um, erudite uh, summary of what we're, uh, where we are and a very quick look at how we've gotten there. Um, it seems to me that earlier in the show, before we actually were able to bring you in, um, we were talking about the fact that there are no uh, valid divisions anymore between one area of concern and another. They've all run together. And I'm hearing you talk about a religion and a religious leader, which it seems to me is no longer concerned with religion and uh, spiritual growth, development, salvation, etc., but has become, uh, or as you as you describe it, is in fact an economic and political power and uh, has forsaken concern, deep concern of religious matters for, as you said, temporal power. Um, does that does that begin to clarify how we can crawl out from under this um, this monster by separating out the the religious, the political, and the economic uh, intertwinings and looking at where the the threat is because. No, in my view, no person of any particular religion is any particular threat. Uh, we are all, I, I subscribe deeply to the notion that whatever our particular belief systems might be, they are private, they are uh, familial, they are not political. And if they become political, as you say, then they're no longer protected as religions. That's correct. They are. That's absolutely. Yes. Uh, so we're not talking about Catholics and Catholicism. We're talking about um, uh, power manipulation and um, uh, internecine warfare along economic lines. Is that correct? Uh, correct. Founded on the doctrine of the temporal power. Everything goes back to the temporal power of the Pope. So we will control all nations financially because we want them subject to our temporal power. We will control all nations economically. Or, or as far as their health is concerned, because it reduces them to temporal power. We will control all nations politically through our secret societies, because we'll use those dictators or presidents or whatever to impose our policies, the temporal power. That's all there is. And so therefore we have to resist the Jesuit order, who, who is the avant-garde, the Marine Corps of the, of the papacy, which is now totally taken over by the Jesuits, because the Pope's a Jesuit. And we no, have to call it a conspiracy. Yeah. It definitely. Uh, what's interesting is that uh, the um, uh, the Inquisition did not burn you at the stake. The Inquisition turned you over to the state authorities, the That's temporal right. authorities, and they burned you at the stake. That's right. They turn you over to secular power to be burned. That's correct. Because the church sheds no blood. So they turn you yeah, over to the political leaders. Pardon? Yeah, our Constitution 
in a unique way that is not repeated in uh, in the other in the other uh, English speaking countries. Even our constitution creates this extraordinary division between religion and the state, and it says the state may make no law respecting uh, religion. So this is a this was a big change. But remember, in, the Bible was still in the public schools. The Bible was still a book of government. The Bible was never intended to be ripped away from the government. Uh, the Congress printed 20,000 Bibles in 1787. They're about to distribute among the colonies. What they forbade was a union of any organized religion with the organized state of the government. That's right. why they separated. And that is a Baptist distinctive separation of church and state. Interesting. Eric, this is this Society of Jesus is like you like I believe you mentioned the the, the Ignatius. Uh, that's from the University of Paris. Uh, he was a militant. Uh, this is I think 1506. Uh, talk a little bit more about the liberation theology that we see today, as of the 1960s, post World War II, and how that has possibly infiltrated the education system in the United States but more importantly, the media outlets. Correct. Okay, the Jesuits are the creators of communism. They, they're the perfectors of communism because they perfected on their Paraguayan reductions to 1609 to 1759 for 150 years. So they perfected it with the 10 planks, and then in the 1800, they're suppressed by the Pope, and then they have to conduct their French Revolution, Napoleonic Wars to get their power back. The Pope re re restores them in 1814. And what they do then is they start on their communist quest. And so the doctrines that they function under are communism. And when it, when it comes to the second French revolution, it was another communist revolution in France. So they're behind all the communist revolutions in the country. They use upfront Jews to make it look like the Jews do it. They tutored Marx. Uh, Jesuit General Peter Bex tutored Karl Marx in the British Museum for 30 years after Marx was kicked out of Germany. So Marx is not the real author of the Communist Manifesto. It's the Jesuit Peter Bex. And so they perfected their communism, and then more recently, they have their communism under the guise of liberation theology. That's nothing more than communism. So How do you, how do you define communism, Reverend Phelps? Communism is you don't own property. Right. Everybody's cut, cut. The one who defines it wonderfully is C.S. Lewis in his Screwtape Letters. Right. In the, in the sequel to it called Screwtape Proposes a Toast. And there he tells you that there will be no great men. Every man cut down to the same cipher. And that's when this, this demon is talking to a lower demon. But communism is universal equality. There are no great men. There's no excellence. Everybody's cut down to the same cipher. There can be no real rich people and poor. Everybody's got to be the same, which is poor. Communism destroys your freedom of choice, property ownership, and is violent. The Black Book of Communism will show you that communism killed 100 million people in the 20th century. It should be outlawed as the religion that it is because it's so sanguinary. It sounds well, a little bit like a at monopoly. Least, right? at, least like a monopoly. at least the communists killed more communists than any of the rest of us have been able to do. Uh, so at the very least, the communists were extremely good at killing each other. Well, they killed the Orthodox Russians. Because the Jesuits had, a, the, the Orthodox Russians were accursed because of the Russian Orthodox Church. So they uh -huh. killed them. They killed the Lutheran Germans because they were accursed. That's how you understand Stalingrad. It's the annihilation of the German Lutherans and the Russian Orthodox. Uh, uh -huh. they, they killed off the patriots out of Poland. Uh, 
Stalin and Hitler worked together for the entire duration of World War II. And you can read this in a book called Hitler's Traitor concerning Martin Bormann. He was the liaison between Stalin and Hitler. So they all, and there's another book called Bloodlands, says the same thing. So, so fascism and communism work together. They have yeah. the same financiers, Henry Ford, you name it, the same banks behind them. It's one part of the Hegelian dialectic versus the other, but the synthesis, the Jesuits always control. Ah. Okay. Yeah. Now, talk a little bit more about, we know that Rockefeller, at least I, I understood him to be a Baptist, and the Baptist, of course, is part of this, uh, part of this cabal. Um, he established, meaning Rockefeller established, uh, the Chinese or the Chinese uh, medical college in Peking, in uh, uh, well, right around the time of just before I think Standard Oil had broken up, uh, and and uh, talk a little bit more uh, under, so that listeners can understand the influence, this uh, Western influence. Uh, yeah, when, when when somebody like Trump, yeah, you know, nothing against Trump, but when somebody like Trump says, "Oh, this is the China virus," but then we hear people, a virologist like Judy Mikovits say, "Hey." I, I've been studying Fort Detrick, and there's there's some stuff going on there with HIV and these various coronavirus things. And we say, okay, well, this isn't maybe not a China virus. This is invented right here in the United States. Uh, right. Explain for listeners uh, how how this again this theology, the theological approach, using that Catholic infrastructure of dominating uh, lands and countries, how that makes sense today in 2021. Okay, as far as Rockefeller, he was an apostate Baptist. He was no Baptist. He was an American Baptist. They've been apostate for years. They don't believe the Bible at all. Anything with regard to Federal Council of Churches, National Council of Churches, World Council of Churches, every Protestant sect in those are all communist and they're all busy serving the papacy. So we can dismiss all of them. Um, the, with regard to the virus, the Jesuits have labs throughout Canada, the U.S., China, because remember the Jesuits brought Mao to power in 1949. And they used certain skull and bones men like, uh, like uh, what was his name, uh, Abram, Abel Harriman, okay, and others. So the Jesuits would establish their Chinese communism. They would also establish their Russian communism in 1922. Warren Harding will give $60 million to the Russian Bolsheviks uh, to feed them while, while, uh, while fighting against the Orthodox Russians that could have stopped it. Uh, in 1950, you have Dirty Harry Truman, the 33rd degree Scottish Rite Freemason, using the sixth floor, killing Mao like he should have been killed, so that a million Chinese communist soldiers would not be dispatched to North Korea to kill American servicemen in the Korean War. This was all brought about by this military government in Washington, D.C. that the Jesuits run through Georgetown University since March 9, 1933. And so they completely finance it, control it. And as I show in my book, they're building communist China and communist Russia and Sunni Islam to be our future invaders. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Dr. Rima, do you have a question? I sure do. So what do we do? What do we do? What well, first of all, advocate? What I advocate is I advocate true repentance of sin, true faith in Christ. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and rose again. So once we have our soul saved by God, then we can deal with the power of the devil who runs the Jesuit order and the papacy and all the secret societies. When we do that, then we can politically go after them, calling for the expulsion of the Jesuits in the United States and the shutting down of every Masonic lodge. Tsar Alexander I of Russia expelled the Jesuits in 1820. He shut down every Masonic Lodge in 1822, and for that he was poisoned in 1825. Alexander I was the greatest Tsar in Russian history. 
And we need to do the same thing. The Jesuits have been expelled some 80 times. They've been expelled by France eight times. They've been expelled by Germany several times, uh, Spain and other nations. But we need to expel yeah, them, kick them out. We... <laughs> Yeah. Mafia that is controlling everything. Um, if the solution is to adopt a different religious um, uh, framework, that's a bit of a problem. For I mean, there are people who don't agree with your your first postulate. Um, for instance, that's I don't. A, but that's okay. Well, that I, I, have, I believe you have freedom of conscience to do what you want to do, but I will tell you, the only nations that have ever really seriously and successfully kicked that Jesuit order out have been historic white Protestant nations. There have been Catholic nations like Portugal, Spain, and France, but the Jesuits waged war on them during the French Revolution Napoleonic Wars. So we need a certain power to resist it because I believe in the devil. I believe the devil is a real individual, that he's the disembodied spirit, that he has secret societies all around his earth or the earth and that he uses them to centralize all power in one man that he will ultimately control one day. And that man, I believe, is the final Pope of Rome, slain with a sword, rise from the dead to be the beast, the Antichrist, to rule the world for 42 months. So therefore, we want to set back the mystery of iniquity so that we have to set back the power of the Jesuit order and those secret societies. Because if we don't address the secret societies, we'll never get anywhere. Um, Eric, um, would you please tell our listeners the name of your book and your website so that uh, they can delve deeper into this amazing tour through uh, history and finance that you've, and politics that you've taken us on? Sure. You can get in contact me. I have two websites, uh, uh, www.vaticanassassins.org, where I offer my ebook there and a few other things. Then I have my radio station, 24-7 World Radio where you can listen to my broadcasts, and uh, I have other things to purchase there, too. And you can, you can contact me at rbpbchurch at comcast.net or eric at vaticanassassins.org. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much, Eric. Comcast.net. So I'm sorry, go ahead, Ralph. I'm just saying thank you so much. Very my pleasure happy. to be with you. I guess I'm out of time, so Lord bless you all. And yeah. you we'll, be in touch with you, Eric. we'll be in touch. Okay. Thank you for introducing us to Eric. Thank you. Pleasure to be with you, Vanessa. Okay. Quite a tour, of course. And now we have a... So now we'll segue, we segue now, uh, and I appreciate the time, uh, Ralph Marima. Uh, we'll segue, and Eric, if you want to stay on, you're more than welcome. Uh, uh, segue to Dr. Brian Artis. Of course. And this will be important as well. Uh, 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 Brian, uh, Brian brings to us uh, some very incredible information regarding the dangers of the current uh, injections that uh, that we're facing, um, and uh, Brian, how did it go with uh, with uh, with with Ivory today? It was awesome with Ivory. So we spent about forty minutes talking about different documentation that I have, what I've been presenting since June, when I first learned about the uh, terrible research studies that Anthony Fauci was saying supports the use of remdesivir, which is a horrible drug. So we started there, moved into these injections that they're calling COVID-19 vaccines uh, and all the documentation between a, anyway, between an FDA document that was created in October of 2020 and moving into what information was on that document and what was not put on the fact sheets for each of these injections that the FDA also creates. So the FDA created this actual and published this 
report internally in October and excluded 110 diseases and symptoms they knew, including death, were going to come from COVID-19 vaccine. <laughs> they excluded that on the fact sheets for Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson. Now, stop. Stop. Wow. I am wow. so aligned with what wow. you're saying. I'm vibrating with alignment. But our uh, our listeners and our uh, viewers need to know, Dr. Artis, who you are, where you are. Give a brief description because we have not yet had the pleasure of meeting. We're, we're going to meet again. But please tell us a little bit about you so that people have a framework to listen to all this through. Sure. So uh, my medical skepticism started years ago, and I'm just going to tell you what it is. So I actually, when I was 21 years old, my sister was diagnosed with lupus, who was 11 years old. And she was diagnosed at Scottish Rites Hospital. And we were told that they did not know, one, how to cure her problem, lupus. There was no cure. There is no treatment except for three drugs. And these three drugs, prednisone, plaquenil, and methyltrexate, eventually, because she was so young at age 11, that she actually would die by the age of 40 because the drugs would destroy her liver and kidneys over time. And then some of these drugs also uh, were going to make her unable to have children because they had side effects of stillbirths and birth defects. So this was a, a really huge demoralizing sentence for the rest of my sister's life. Uh, my parents lost it crying in Scottish Rites Hospital in Dallas. And I looked at them and said, why are you crying? And they said, your sister's been diagnosed with a terminal illness, Brian. And I said, no, she wasn't. They never said lupus was going to kill her. They said these three drugs that we're going to oh, use as their oh. only treatment options are going to kill her over the next 30 years. Oh, I like this man. I am so glad you brought him to the show. Go ahead. Yeah. So this is where it all started, was me being skeptical by the fact they logically say, we don't know what causes it. We don't know how to fix it. We only have these three treatment options for her. And I looked at my parents and I said, look, this is the third hospital in three months that can't tell us why every joint in her body hurts starting three months ago. None of them have been able to tell us. And they just said, we're giving it a name but we don't know what causes it. We, there's no cure. We only have these three treatment options. And I said, mom, what they're telling you is, is they don't know what's causing her pain. And just because the medical profession for the third institution now, a hospital, the third hospital now is telling us we don't know what's causing her pain doesn't mean some other profession doesn't. So let's go find out if some other profession knows how to fix what's wrong with people, identify what that is, and eliminate that. And I told her then, and I knew nothing about health at this point. I was raised in the typical medical American model. I said, if I can't find another profession to tell us what happened to her, I'll fix it. So I went off then at 21 to become a medical doctor, I thought. So I actually did the MCAT, took that, got accepted to the University of Utah's med school. And then I started to realize as I looked into the research department of the University of Utah that the only thing they were researching in med schools was funding by pharmaceutical companies to determine, having these students work for them, what's the kilogram weight of a new drug that kills the actual animal so we can start determining dosing for human trials. Well, I already knew my sister did not have lupus because she was low in methyltrexate, plaquenil, or prednisone. Something right. happened to her three months earlier, and it had nothing to do with drugs not being enough in her body. 
So I dropped my enrollment at medical school, went to chiropractic school, then went to acupuncture school, then went to study anyone in the field of clinical nutrition just to try to find out, is there a way to determine the underlying causes of diseases? Because that's not the medical model. The medical model is, can we turn off your symptoms or can we cut out the organ because we don't know what's wrong with that organ? I mean, that's really all you got. Or let's radiate it or chemotherapy it to death. It isn't a system of healing. I wanted to know, how do you heal somebody? My sister was fine for the first 10 years of life, and I wanted to know how to do that. So fast forward 12 years, she's treated with these three drugs over a 12-year period while I'm off learning how to actually heal somebody. And I actually uh, had her come to my office in Dallas. 12 years later, she was praying after she got married, and she said God told her that she could have children one day. But she had accepted the reality she wasn't going to have children for these whole 12 years since she was 11. So she prayed to God, literally in a prayer, and said, how is it possible I'm going to have children? Or are these just dreams and wishes? And she said, God spoke to her and said, you need to get to Dallas. Your brother can heal you now. He's learned how to do it. So she moved to Dallas, and it took two months to actually get rid of what caused her lupus. It took five minutes to figure out what did it. It took two months to get rid of the problem. Within the third month, we started titrating her off of her three medications, and she has been drug-free for nine years. She just had her fourth kid in October, wow. and her oldest is nine years old. So that whole idea that you can't heal is not true. And the truth is, she actually had microscopic parasites in her spleen that she yeah. had contracted from water when she was 11. And medical doctors, unfortunately, in America aren't trained on parasitology very well at all, and... It just happened to be one of the things I learned to evaluate for amidst my 12 years of learning. And it just happened to be that was her case. So the moment we cleared the parasites, which took about two months, all of her symptoms disappeared. Then it was just getting her off the medications. And once we got her off all the medications, her celiac disease she had developed since starting treatment for lupus disappeared within a month. And then also her, tuber her pulmonary tuberculosis, which she also developed after seven years of drug treatments, that also disappeared. And... It, it was told to her this whole period that each of these issues, celiac disease and tuberculosis, were being created by lupus attacking her gut to cause celiacs, and then her lungs were being attacked by the lupus also. And that wasn't true the whole time. These were actually known side effects of prednisone, methotrexate, and Plaquenil over years of taking them. So her health was declining just as the medical doctors had spoken 11 years earlier. That when she starts taking these drugs, eventually her kidney and liver will fail, but her lungs and other parts of her body, the gut, were obviously failing also. I so have, I have to congratulate you. You're obviously a whole lot smarter than I am because you figured out before you went through medical training, uh, allopathic medical training, that it wasn't going to get you where you wanted to go, which was to being able to cure people by finding out the cause of the condition and then treating that, cutting off the hydra of symptoms, if you will. Um, it took me longer. I actually survived medical training and residency and fellowship, but I did know at the, at the entire time that it didn't work. <laughs> so congratulations. Do go on. So that's, uh, that's what I did, and that story really resonated with a ton of people. So I've had uh, practices now from 2004 is when I first opened my first practice in Tennessee, I sold it five years later, opened up another one for 10 years in Dallas, and I had that practice till 2018. I was able to serve just in the Frisco office in Dallas, Texas. We were able to serve 15,000 patients from 16 countries. 
and I specialize in helping to reverse autoimmune diseases. And I'm going to shut this door real quick. Hold on. And let me say, while Dr. Artis is doing that, um, physicians who practice real medicine, uh, physicians like Dr. Artis, physicians like me, uh, naturopaths who are not sucked into the allopathic model yeah. as they are being, uh, we see miracles in our offices every day that allopathic physicians never see once in an entire career because the model is different. The model is what's causing the problem, what are all the associated seemingly unrelated problems like pulmonary tuberculosis, celiac disease, and lupus. Gosh, those are different diseases. They're even covered by different specialties. Wow, they couldn't have anything to do with one another. And we look for the deep underlying causes, fix that, and then repair the damage up these various trunks of, of the, uh, the being, including the emotional, spiritual, and psychological trunks. And people become not just symptom free, but well, conventional medicine, as we all understand now, I hope you understand now, folks, has no interest in curing anything. It has interest in suppressing symptoms and creating customers. But now, somehow or other, you got to jabs, you got to um, uh, this COVID insanity. And before you talk, doctor, uh, let me remind the folks that it is one hour into the Dr. Rima Truth Reports, the Unmasked Crusaders. Uh, we are on the People for People Network. That's www.peopleforpeople.ning.com. And uh, we are so happy to be here with you. Absolutely. So, so let's, let's get into the, uh, into those, into the, the, the injections or as you're putting it, Rima, the jabs yes. for listeners to understand. Uh, Dr. Artis, you, you've done some extensive research. What are what are the dangers uh, that have been discussed? What are the what are the dangers that people are facing with uh, with getting these voluntary? Well, before you start with the dangers, Dr. Artis, talk about what these things are that are being uh, uh, put into people's bodies. Sure. So the first thing and the first obvious thing, unfortunately, I don't know how people are missing this. But this is the first time ever that a vaccine has been created and then supposed vaccine now, COVID-19. It is an injectable. It's an experimental injectable, obviously. But for the first time ever, a vaccine's being marketed as a vaccine, and it doesn't even have any of the virus or virus particles of COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2 in the injection. I mean, every flu shot that we're aware of for the last umpteen years has had some strain of flu virus in it. They are trying to immunize your body, theoretically, against an antigen that your body's going to produce an antibody resistance towards or against. But these vaccines, the Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca, Johnson & Johnson ones, these don't have any SARS-CoV-2 in them. And they actually tell you on the fact sheets that these there is no FDA-approved vaccine to prevent COVID-19. It actually tells you that. These are not designed to do that. And anything you've heard in the media, it is. They are not. It cannot protect you against COVID-19. There is no SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19 in it. So it cannot directly do that. It's impossible. Number two, though. But, but the same law, excuse me, the same logic would say, since there's no caffeine in it, 
it also can't protect you against a caffeine addiction. That is exactly the same logic. So if they said this jab will protect you against wanting too much caffeine in your life, you would be dealing with exactly the same preposterous illogic. I want to point that out. If there is nothing in it that presents an antigen to the body to make an antibody against, then it can't be relevant to that disease, even if vaccination, conventional vaccination worked, which it doesn't. Go ahead. Yeah, I heard you, Dr. Rima, say earlier that uh, this doesn't prevent or protect you against COVID-19. It just can't do that. It's not even marketed to do that. In fact, they told you once we give you the shots, you need to continue wearing the masks and you need to continue social distancing, which is ludicrous. What's the point of getting the vaccine? I thought it was designed by definition to protect you from getting the infection and to stop transmission, which is what it does not do. Over 60% of the new people coming, of the newly diagnosed people coming down with this alleged disease are fully vaccinated persons, which would mean that its success rate is abysmal. It is abysmal. Time to do that. Yeah. In fact, it's disgusting. If you haven't seen the India graphs for deaths throughout the pandemic and since the vaccinations, the actual death rates per million are higher since the vaccines were introduced than at the peak of the pandemic. And if you look at, if you look at the, I'm sorry, Ralph, go ahead. We posted an article about that on Open Source Truth just uh, earlier today. The graph is quite astounding. Um, the the alleged COVID deaths in the peak uh, in November and start going down with the uh, introduction of certain uh, medications. Uh, then they start the vaccines. And uh, uh, a number of months later, exactly as planned, the uh, number of deaths skyrocketing. It's like a straight line up. It's astounding. The same thing is happening in Macedonia. The same thing happened in Gibraltar. We reported on this open source truth a number of different ways. But in Liberia, where nobody trusts the vaccine, I was on the phone with the former minister of uh, the environment of Liberia the other day, a lovely delightful man, well-educated. And I said, what's the situation there? He said, we don't have any COVID. Nobody takes the vaccine. We don't trust it. We we know that it's designed to kill us. So nobody's taking it. We don't have a problem. That's very interesting. Um, Keep keep talking. I'm going to grab a charger. I just realized my phone's about to die. Okay. What I'm going to say is that if you go online, folks, and you look up Dr. Rima India paper, you will find a paper that I delivered in 2015 uh, at uh, the All India, the first All India People's Medical Congress, uh, in which I showed government statistics from Wales and Canada and the United States and England uh, and a variety India, of other countries. And from India. Uh, no, I, I didn't have the India statistics oh. of the same ones. Uh, for over 150 years. And what they show is the same decline of infectious diseases and scarlet fever, which is uh, another disease for which there's never been a vaccine. And it's the same decline until the introduction of vaccination against each of those specific diseases, at which point the disease rate goes up again. The vaccines and jabs select for the disease that they are labeled to allegedly prevent. Go ahead, Dr. Artis. 
Yeah, so these uh, injections are horrible. I just want to tell you what bothers me a lot is the fact that they had to squash. And when we're talking about graphs and death and mortality rates in India, Macedonia, uh, if you haven't seen China's graphs, China, it doesn't even report any deaths since April of 2020. Now, what's amazing about this is what they started doing in January, they did 10 studies proving they could actually reverse the pneumonia that actually was connected to the COVID-19 virus. They could reverse that using vitamin C injections. And it was right. 30,000 milligrams. So they started doing that and holding press releases since January 20th of 2020. And then they have 20 different research studies to prove they could re get return people to home who had pneumonia from COVID-19 in three to five days max. And they and just- there was, there was a brief time when that was being done at New York University Hospital in New York City. Uh, and very, very small amounts were being given, something like three grams. I mean, almost homeopathic dosing, which is not to disparage homeopathic procedures, but um, it instantly became unacceptable because it was working. And this actually correlates to the discussion about the vaccines. So whether or not this has been actually discussed on your show, the emergency okay. use authorization designation right can only be put in place for a vaccine manufacturer if you can prove there's no other effective alternative right. already in circulation. Well, China eliminated COVID-19 using vitamin C. We never adopted that here in the, in the States. Wow. Hydroxychloroquine was proven to be effective. Anthony Fauci funded a, story, a, a study in Europe to prove if you overdose someone with hydroxychloroquine, they would die. So he had to murder people to convince and get the result he wanted to say to the American public, COVID-19 infected people die when you use hydroxychloroquine. Well, if you go look at the study, they overdosed all of the patients to kill them to get that result. So they had to dismiss hydroxychloroquine, which is effective. And then ivermectin is an incredible medication, which was proven in 27 studies in 2020 in 18 different countries to stop the transmission of COVID in 48 hours, even in-house. This is a very personal issue for Ralph and me and the Natural Solutions Foundation. As you know, we have been very, uh, very strong advocates of the use of nano silver, a very particular uh, non-toxic formulation. And the FDA is currently suing us personally in federal court and the Natural Solutions Foundation because I said things like, I am in the age range that is supposedly um, at greatest risk, and I have no fear of developing COVID-19 disease. I'm 77 years old. I have no fear of developing it because I support my immune system, and uh, it is able to carry out its natural uh, function and have natural have normal structure because I support it with nano silver that statement uh is among the things that they ralph correct me if i'm wrong oh, is you're correct. The things that they, it's the primary they, thing uh, they cite what it's the primary thing that they cite it's really i said i have no fear because i support my immune that's system the problem and they want everyone to have fear and the 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 whole point of that is if nano silver were effective as science would suggest if 
ivermectin is effective, as the science would suggest, if hydroxychloroquine, vitamin C, et cetera, ozone, if these are effective, then these damnable jabs could not be given the emergency use right. authorization, as you said. And yes, we have talked about this on our show, and we, we have- made it clear that you can't mandate an EUA vaccine. Of course, we don't think you can mandate any vaccine, but that's another matter. Right. Uh, this has been a really important issue. Now, in our case with the FDA, we had previously, after the FDA told us that we were making illegal claims, we stopped helping people get nano silver uh, because we're not, you know, we're not, we're not going to fight with the government on that level. And we and we filed a petition for a health claim approval for a claim for nano silver that nano silver, ten parts per million, supports normal cell membrane integrity. And, uh, and uh, thereby, right, thereby reducing the risk of infection. FDA says that they will consider health claim petitions about reduction of risk of infection. So we've given them one of those. A month after we submitted it, that's when they sued us. Mm -hmm. Now, um, the primary uh, research that we submitted was done by the United States Defense Threat Reduction Agency of the U.S. Department of Defense, which I believe is considered a credible source. Oh, well. Now, they also required under the, um, under the APA, the Administrative Procedures Act, to respond to our petition within a certain amount of time. Now, I don't want to talk about strategy in the case, but let us say that in an exchange of, of information, we requested that they give us a copy of our own petition, and they've done that. So we clearly know they have it. Now, unlike Hunter Biden's uh, laptop, you know, uh, the government admits it has uh, our petition. Well, maybe they should consider that petition, and maybe a good way to resolve our case would be for the government to look at its own evidence and agree with us that nanosilver does support normal cell membrane integrity. This would knock out the emergency use authorization of currently three and soon to be God knows how many of these jabs. So they are kind of in a Silicon Charybdis position, we think. But do go on, Doctor. So we, yeah, we can hope that they're going to they're going to opt for better public health, and uh, you know, and we'll, we'll see what happens. Doctor, go ahead. There's a few things I have around this emergency use authorization, right? We've got, I am not a lover of drugs. So when I mention ivermectin is effective, it is effective. Hydroxychloroquine, proven to be more effective. Obviously more effective than these coming vaccines. So the vaccines do not prevent COVID-19. They don't stop transmission. They're just sold to you as an idea that they can help reduce severity of symptoms if you get COVID-19. That's the only thing they actually advertise. So the, I will tell you, not only is vitamin C effective, not only is your nano silver, which I love and have used for years in practice, not only is vitamin D effective towards any virus of any kind, selenium's effective at helping to boost natural killer cell activity, which we know can handle COVID-19 or any other virus for that matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't care if it's HIV. It doesn't care if it's the flu. It doesn't care if it's a coronavirus. It can handle those and been proven for years. Zinc also helps to starve uh, for oxygen, these uh, viruses that are in the body. That's well documented for years. But they had to squash and censor all of these and then sue certain people to try to get to this emergency use authorization. And you're not the only one. Have you heard of the uh, COVID-19 Consumer Protection Act? Have you seen this? No. So, you haven't seen this? So it was written into law that anyone 
who states, oh, y'all haven't seen this? Oh, man, you got to see this. All right, so it is now law. The Federal Trade Commission can actually get the Department of Justice to help them monetarily fine anyone who says they have an alternative that helps against COVID-19 infection only. This is a COVID-19 Consumer Protections Act that now you can be sued $43,000 by the Department of Justice, backed by the FTC's claim that if you say vitamin D, zinc, selenium, silver, anything is beneficial against COVID-19, you can be sued for $43,000 in monetary damages I for every so single claim. Safer. I feel so much better protected yeah. knowing that that freedom of speech has been wrested from us. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. In fact, doc, Dr. Eric Naputi is a uh, chiropractor out of St. Louis, Missouri. He was the first to get sued by the FTC, and that happened on April 15th, just a few weeks ago. So, uh, I, if, you know, if you would like uh, him to be put in touch with some good lawyers who specialize in that area, we would love to put him in touch with them. We would love to do that. That's awesome. Great. So, yeah, I would love to get y'all's info and help with that. He's actually got doctors. He's got Thomas Renz, R-E-N-Z, who currently has a lawsuit against the Department of Health and Human Services and the CDC and five different governors of different states. He's already won the first one. And it's all in relationship to COVID and exaggerated fraud. If you could, if you could uh, help us with those connections, Dr. Artis, we would be very happy about that because there's, there's so much information uh, and it's not well organized. We we obviously missed that, and we need to know about it. And they probably yeah. use some of our resources. Yeah. Yes, they can. It would be great to introduce you guys. Y'all yes, can all help each please. other as a team. It so, so go ahead about the jabs, which are not vaccines, which okay. are not designed to prevent a disease or its transmission or uh, do anything else that's useful. Yep. So let's get into a few things that are really bothersome of me. Okay, this whole COVID thing, a few things have really, really bothered me. In America, we have accepted the reality of what's called the FDA approval process. And for some reason, <laughs> for some reason, we as consumers, we as citizens of this great country decided to throw that all out the window this year and accept a non-approved FDA drug called remdesivir to be the only treatment for COVID-19 patients. And medical doctors weren't happy about this, but the consumers are like, look, that's what they said. Let's just do it. Why? I have no idea. We've been indoctrinated with this idea to trust the FDA approval process. And then you move forward to. May, may, I, may I make a suggestion as to why? One yeah. part of why, in addition to the overwhelming propaganda about the fact that the medical professional understands your body far better than you ever could. In addition to that, <laughs> never underestimate the power of fluoride to dull thinking processes. Fluoridated oh. water, fluoridated drugs, oh. fluoridated antidepressants. Oh, yes. I will turn my sound off because the dog and I are speaking. Uh, um, Timbert is a great dog, by the way. And uh, Dr. Rima's friends are very happy that she has a trained attack dog protecting her. So if anybody is uh, is listening, uh, we're ready for you. Uh, anyway, any um, tampering going on, oh, the dogs are ready. Yeah, awesome. this is a this is a very interesting situation. We we have a government that uh, that does not follow its own laws. For example, uh, when the when Congress unlawf unlawfully in violation of the right of uh, uh, petition of you know grievances uh, 
told us in 1986 we couldn't sue for vaccine injury anymore. They ordered the CDC to provide an annual report about the number of vaccine injuries going on in the country. And for 30-something years, that agency has failed to produce one, even one report. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. proved that, I believe it was in December of 18 or December of uh, 2019, when he actually got a letter from the, um, from the agency admitting that there, were, there was no record of, anyone, of any such report ever having been issued. Now, at the same time, Congress told the Institutes of Medicine to uh, study um, vaccine adverse reactions. And they've done that, and they've produced um, almost annual reports, which show that the CDC's claim that, you know, there's only anaphylactic shock and anything else, you know, that's not a medical excuse for any uh, further vaccines, that in fact, there are hundreds of different types of adverse reactions to vaccines, and many of them are deadly. Uh, so we, so we I, do have, yeah. so it's important to know that sometimes the agent, I'm Ralph sorry, to document studying the institutes of uh, medicine's reports and recommendations over decades and calling for, uh, in, in which they call for study after study, examination after examination, because they identify the serious dangers of the measles vaccine and the this vaccine and the that vaccine, and they, they raise deep alarm and nonetheless, the propaganda drums continue to beat boom, boom, boom. Poison. And none of, those, none of those studies are ever done, you know? Yes. So that's and really that, serious. That By the way, people, you can read that paper at the Institute for Health Research website, which is in here, I-N-H-E-R-E, in here, dot O-R-G. Uh, just go to the journal. There are a bunch of really good uh, articles there. Uh, some great people like Dr. Rima and oh Gary Null and others have provided articles uh, for our open source journal. I have uh, to tell you that the production of that that report was absolutely sickening and horrifying to me on a personal basis because even I had no idea how very bad it was. But to go ahead, please, you were saying. All right, so I want to touch on a little bit about what you're speaking on. So. This is the problem I have with the injections. In October, for anyone listening, if anyone's even wondering still, should they consider getting the shots or the vaccines as they call them? If you're gonna get these injections, you need to know that in October, the date is October 22nd, 2020. There's a division inside the FDA called the CBER, the Center of Biologics, Experiments and Research. They produced an internal document for the FDA in October, 2020 in which they looked for and reported on what side effects were going to be coming from these COVID-19 injections to be coming in December. And in this report, it's a 25-slide report, and on slide number 16, it lists 22 bullet points of lifelong diseases, paralyzation episodes, MS-type disorders, strokes, heart attacks, deaths, miscarriages, and 80 autoimmune diseases are on this report per the FDA. And this group, the CBER division, is letting the FDA know as a part of this presentation that these are going to be some of the actual serious adverse reactions that are going to be reported to VARS, V-A-E-R-S dot H-H-S dot gov, 
And this is how we, as a group, the FDA, are going to look at causality. When people start reporting these, how it is we're going to determine whether or not the vaccine actually caused these things. This list from October was created by the FDA. The FDA, two months later in December, created the fact sheets for Pfizer and Moderna. Not one of the 110 diseases or death side effects from the October report actually showed up on the fact sheets, which are supposed to give consumers of these injections the health and the, the health benefits and the risks associated with the vaccines. The FDA chose to not disclose for the populace the 110 known deaths, side effects, and 100 uh, other 109 diseases they knew that were coming. That includes the brain injuries that lead to autism, the myocardial infarctions with their heart attacks, strokes, and also Johnson and Johnson now. Just so you know, Johnson and Johnson now reported, or the or sorry, Dr. Anthony Fauci did that. There's six blood clots that have occurred to the Johnson and Johnson one, and we're going to pause this for a little bit and not give it to you. We're going to look into this a little bit further for about 10 days. At that point, at that point, Johnson Johnson had six supposedly in the media. Well, if you went on to VAR's actual data, which is updated every Friday, there was 56 already reported blood clot issues and deaths caused by blood clots from Johnson and Johnson shots. But Pfizer's even worse. It had already 400 in the VAR's data system. Moderna had 367. So these these two already had higher amounts than actual Johnson Johnson did. And the crazy thing is, those blood clot disorders, there's four of them listed on the October report from the FDA. As if this now is a shock, that this is a side effect. They already knew this stuff was going to happen, and they're choosing not to tell you. And I have a huge problem with that. And oh, last week... Last week, I went through that slide with 22 bullet points, and I listed every single one of those diseases on VARS data site uh, with COVID-19 injections, and every single one of them have already had multiple reported up to 30,000 on some of them, like anaphylactic shock, has already occurred and been reported to VARS, everyone that was on that FDA list, and others, including Bell's palsy now. When the doctor in Florida, the 56-year-old healthy doctor in Florida, suddenly developed thrombocytopenia uh, after receiving the, uh, I believe it was the Pfizer, but it could have been the Moderna mRNA uh, vaccine. And they said, oh, thrombocytopenia is so rare. I thought, yeah, there's something that needs to be investigated here. and. As part of my investigation, and I wrote an article for uh, opensourcetruth.com, uh, and you can go to opensourcetruth.com or opensourcetruth on Telegram, uh, I discovered the document that you're talking about. And it lists as one of the principal side effects sudden unexpected thrombocytopenia as just one of the 110 that you're talking about. Um, so the the fact that uh, we're being told, we're being dissembled, we're being lied to, we're being once again misled about uh, efficacy, safety, um, uh, testing that has been done and so on about all of these shots 
is no news. What's news is that this is so particularly horrendously bad and, and that this particular set of jabs actually poisons people who have not yet received it beyond viral shedding. So this is a new level of, of horrendous. But what you're saying is absolutely true. Uh, I, I was appalled by the same fact and, and made it available. So if anybody wants to read this document, simply go to um, opensourcetruth.com and in the search uh, bar, type in uh, FDA side effects and if COVID vaccine or COVID, COVID, and you will see this is absolutely the work of the decent people in government. And then the monsters in government have destroyed any confidence that we might have in the entire government health regulation process completely. Anything that any official person says about health matters in any way, I regard with extreme distrust and suspicion. There is nothing that they can tell me that I'm willing to believe a priori if this is how facts are presented to them and then distorted and denied to us so that we die. Brian, I had an interview on my, my actual podcast show last week with a Dr. Meehan, who's a practicing ophthalmologist surgeon. And I asked him, I said, how do we get people who are actually stuck in this uh, thought reform is what I call it going on right now. How do we get people that are stuck in this thought reform to start to open their mind to the fact that maybe there's research they can do on their own to learn more? And this is what he said. I am convinced that every single human being, if it's coming from a health agency or from a medical doctor in the media of any kind, whatever they are telling you, you have to start out assuming that they are lying to you. Exactly. Precisely. I like this man. Yeah, uh, somebody said, what is thrombocytopenia? Thrombocytopenia is a condition in which uh, basically the, the entire complement of white blood cells collapses. The platelets disappear. You can't, uh, you can't manage the, the clotting apparatus of your body. And it's a very, very, very serious generally autoimmune disease, in this case, a poisoning of the blood system by these jabs. Would you disagree with that uh, description of it, Dr. Artis? Nope, that's exactly what it is. And I'm just going to show anybody that's watching, this is the actual report from the FDA with their actual logo up here from October. Yes, yes. On, this is slide 16, and I have highlighted on there thrombocytopenia. Yes intravenous coagulation, venous thromboembolism, which is a traveling blood clot. And then I highlighted at the bottom what's called multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children. Uh-huh. Right. I don't know if y'all have seen this yet, but this is actually a new diagnosis yes. uh, since COVID-19, and it's listed as a side effect to the COVID-19 vaccine. And now they're trying to push and authorize this year, I mean, this week, Pfizer's actually going to get the approval to start doing 12 and 15 year olds, middle school and high schoolers uh, with the Pfizer vaccines. And they're planning on doing 5 million immediately, these teenagers. And then by fall, they're already saying they're going to have another 5 to 7 million of them ready. Just you so want, you know. You want to talk about reproductive issues, Dr. Artis? 
Absolutely. Yeah. One of the things I'm very disturbed about is the idea that this vaccine, which includes these mRNA particles, these new tech, as they call it, in these vaccines or injections, the mRNA is going to literally use reverse transcriptase in your body to start actually separating your DNA chains, writing new DNA in your ribosomes, which are parts of the cells of every cell of your body, and that's going to create what's called a spike protein to look like what coronavirus has on its surface, which is the spike protein. They are literally, literally trying to get your own DNA and your own cells of your body to look like a virus so that your body will produce antibodies against that virus. I'm not a doctor. I have a question about this. Sure. Uh, all right, so viruses, when they penetrate uh, and, and replicate, um, then come out of the cells and, 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 and go on and infect more cells. That's what a virus does. But you're telling me this, this jab causes your body to do just that? But instead of the whole virus, it's just making the little spike on the famous coronavirus? It's actually trying right. to replicate with your own DNA. It's trying to make but, your own DNA, nuclear material, yeah, look yeah. like the surface of a coronavirus. So your own antibodies will start to attack it. The problem they, with this they is... they also attack your own DNA? The old, yeah, the big problem is, is your antibodies are going to start attacking you. And one of the Got big it. concerns by scientists and medical professionals is... There's, these have never been tested in human trials. So how do you know there's a turnoff point? Otherwise, you're going to get rampant autoimmune diseases. Now, secondarily, you asked about fertility, Dr. Rima. The placental lining cells look a lot like a spike protein. They almost look identical to it. There is no doubt that your own antibodies are going to start destroying the placenta's attachment to the uterus. Mm -hmm. People are going to lose their pregnancies and miscarriages, which has already been are. reported in the hundreds. And it's they are. happening. Already happening. This, this so vaccine need the DPOP kill shot, isn't it? I believe. So we certainly want to inject pregnant women and nursing mothers, and we certainly want to contaminate the DNA of the entire human race, don't we? Doesn't that sound like a great thing for us to do? Not only does the spike protein, which has been genetically engineered to have particular characteristics. Not only does the spike protein re resemble essential proteins, two of them in the placental lining, which if attacked will cause a woman to be permanently infertile. Not only that, it also resembles proteins in the heart. Most of us need our heart. Proteins in the brain, a useful organ. Proteins in the lungs, I like mine, how about you? Proteins in the kidneys, also handy to have functioning if you intend to stay alive. So we're talking about inducing the body without end to change its DNA to become its own executioner. Sounds like a plan, sounds like a Bill Gates plan to me. And for those who don't know or lay people that are watching this, the, the term autoimmune disease means your own antibodies and your own white blood cells in your body start attacking your own tissue. This is what these, these injectables have been designed to do. That's what it is. So I heard someone earlier on this show talking in an interview previously about the holocausticism of this whole thing. 
This is actually horrible. It, it cannot be any other agenda than to make everyone incredibly diseased and infertile and sterilize the world. I mean, this is really what it's going to do. Or as this many of those that get these really injections. going to do. Yeah, and I'll tell you right now, someone actually wrote a question and said, can this actually be shed through a man into a woman through ejaculation? Uh, yes. In fact, the Pfizer clinical trial in the actual notes, 146 pages, in order to actually be okay to enter the trial, you had to agree to not have sex for 28 days because they knew that you could it'd be injecting or shedding the virus or not the virus, sorry, the mRNA particles or whatever they were putting into your body into that person. Also, you're not allowed to be in the trial if you're pregnant. Right. <laughs> and now they're going to be injecting people who are pregnant with something it's, that's never been tested on them. With the government saying, oh, it's perfectly safe. Go ahead, pregnant women. Go ahead, women who want to be pregnant. You go ahead and get infected. In that same document that, that Dr. Artis is talking about, and the link to it is published on Open Source Truth, in that same document from Pfizer, the protocol notes that were uh, approved by the FDA before the trial took place, the limited trial took place. In that same document, it says if a man walks by a woman and the man has been uh, uh, jabbed and he's, for instance, in an office in the same space with the woman and they're sharing air and don't think a mask has any impact on this, she can be assumed to be at risk for having a damaged child or a uh, losing the pregnancy if she then becomes pregnant or if she is pregnant. But, but, and this specifies it over and over in these scenarios where people will be damaged by the vaccinated, the unvaccinated will be damaged by the vaccinated, but the investigator must report this within 24 hours of finding it out. However, the data, the lost pregnancy, the uh, uh, the other adverse event, the data will be kept, and it specifies it will be kept separate from the vaccine trial injection because the person impacted hasn't been vaccinated. They've been harmed by a person who's been vaccinated. So that data will be sequestered. Second yeah, I want to touch on that. It's brilliant. So what you're referring to, Dr. Rima, for those who are listening, that was awesome. Thank you for bringing that up. I'm glad you know the document. What it's stated in there is that individuals who get vaccinated during the trial, if they get the COVID-19 injection, if they are around someone who is pregnant, and it even specifies that if they even breathe the same air as the vaccinated person, or if they get skin contact with that person and that individual is pregnant, it is supposed to be reported to the sponsor overseeing the vaccination trial. And within 24 hours, they are supposed to document this as a SAE, which means serious adverse event for the pregnant woman. And then but they are supposed to- included in the vaccine adverse event data. Right, and then they, and then they are supposed to, it says, they're supposed to follow that individual who's pregnant. The sponsor of the clinical trial has the right, if they choose, 
to follow the pregnant woman's entire pregnancy and then watch upon birth if there's any abnormalities or birth defects in the child that could be related back to the serious adverse event, which was being breathed on by a vaccinated person and or they touched the skin of them. They, they specified to... somebody walking through an office environment and the woman's pregnant or about to become pregnant. Yeah, they, they specify that. They, they call it an occupational hazard, which means at work. And then they also specifies it as a partner, like if you're married to somebody or living with someone and the unvaccinated pregnant woman is exposed to a vaccinated person in the study. They, were, they knew up front there was going to be a huge problem with, I don't care what you call it, shedding. I actually, when I read this article, I actually thought it sounded like the individuals getting the injections are getting like radioactive poisoning <laughs> because they're just breathing in air around the person after getting injections, their skin contact. Like, how dangerous is it that they are injecting them with? It's just incredible. It was, it's horrific that these were to be listed. There's two criteria in these studies. You have what are called adverse events, which are mild issues and concerns, and that the sponsors of the trial overseeing the people in the trial, they're supposed to report. And then you have what are called SAE, serious adverse events, which are life-threatening. An exposure of a pregnant woman to someone vaccinated in the trial was considered a serious adverse event and was to be reported. Now, what's amazing is, is the reporting was supposed to go to a Pfizer safety person. Do you really think they're going to disclose that information? It's going to be, it's going to stay internal. And it specifies that they're not going to disclose it because the person who's having the serious adverse event yep. wasn't vaccinated. So why should we, why should we tell anybody that there's a, an adverse event associated with vaccination? If now, had, this is, it, this it, was approved. Excuse me one second, Dr. Ortiz. This was approved by the FDA and the person who was in charge of approving this and not having any animal uh, studies in these alleged uh, clinical trials is Dr. Fauci's wife. Oh. Right, exactly. Well, here we are, folks, in the last half hour of the Dr. Rita Truth Reports, the Unmasked Crusaders, brought to you over People for People Network. That's www peopleforpeople.ning.com. And I thought I would get the uh, discussion onto a, a happier note. Uh, there was, in fact, uh, some good news coming out of COVID. Uh, back in the beginning, when we first got locked down in February of last year, uh, all of a sudden, uh, lots of people uh, had to cancel their well baby visits to their pediatricians. And thousands and hundreds of thousands of, of infants and babies uh, did not get their vaccines on time. Indeed, for a period of, of about two months, there was almost no infant vaccination going on. And we had, for the first time, the study we've begged for, which was to compare the unvaccinated children with the vaccinated children, the unvaccinated infants especially. And something was noticed, and it's been reported uh, in the literature, and that was that prior to the start of the declared pandemic, about 700 American babies a week, that's 100 a day, were dying essentially of SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome, which means, just like lupus, we don't know what, but they're dying, and we don't know how, how and why. No obvious cause. 700 a week for literally years and years. And all of a sudden, it drops over a two-week period to 500 and less a week. And it continues along that level until 
Well, baby, does it start up again and it starts to go back up to where it was. But during those glorious couple of months, thousands of children did not die. So that's good news. Having, having uh, shared good news, I'd like to mention something that's not quite so positive and get Dr. Artis's and Ian's and Ralph's response. Now, I know that everything we've talked about so far is very much upbeat, but this isn't. And it has to do with the jabs, forgive me. And that is the hydrogel. Um, every little bit of synthetic mRNA is wrapped in a little capsule of something called a hydrogel, polyethylene glycol. Now that sounds like, oh, okay, I'm just being injected with a, sort of a plasticized um, uh, antifreeze. How bad can that be? What could possibly go wrong? Okay, but it's not quite that, that benign. Uh, these hydrogels are bioengineered, um, self-replicating information systems. They receive information, they put information into the system, and they can turn on and trigger, uh, oh, let's say, mRNA synthesis. And by the way, we have no assurance that the only mRNA being put in, the only protein being manufactured, is this damn spike protein, the bioengineered spike protein. It could be sort of anything. These could be prions. Uh, these could be many things. And so what we have is a bioengineering system being injected into us to allegedly protect the mRNA from degradation for how long? A week, a month, a year, a decade until you die? I don't know. Do the bacteria that that disintegrate you after you've been buried take up this hydrogel? Who the hell knows? So anyhow, the point is that we have another level of damage and danger. And I wondered, uh, Dr. Artis, if you would talk about that. I just really wonder about this hydro, hydrogel uh, substance and it's wrapping over liposomal particles to stabilize this mRNA. And for those listening, they, they can't get mRNA to be stable for any period of time without adding these things and then freezing it at minus 90 degrees Fahrenheit, which is colder than the North and South Pole. That's how they're actually transporting it. Now, I want to know, how many of these pull-up clinics do you think have refrigerators that can actually keep them that cold? to actually keep the hydrogel and the liposome particles attached to the mRNA to keep it stable. They're extremely unstable. And I personally am not open to having PEG 2000, which is like antifreeze, injected into my body. And if you don't know what the ingredients are, I don't think we actually know what all the ingredients are, but the PEG 2000 is definitely in the Pfizer and Moderna, and you can find it on their fact sheets on FDA.gov. You can find it. Let's see. Along, along with the fetal... Uh, material fetal cells. Uh, uh, the the PEG 2000 is something that 70% of the U.S. population is already sensitized to. It's an uh, uh, an incitement causing damage. The immune system damages the body when it meets PEG 2000. If you breathe it, if you if you have it on your skin, what do you think it does when it gets into every one of your cells, Doctor Artis? What do you think it does? I actually will tell you what I think they know it's going to do. I think it's going to create autoimmune disease and death. 
and sterility. That's, that's really all it can do. It is going to destroy your genetic materials. This is actually a genetically modified organism that they are putting into these vaccines exactly. and inserting into you. And we all know what the issues and concerns are around genetically modified foods that we are being fed for years. So why can we not assume that injecting it right into our body and into our bloodstream isn't going to create problems in our brains? I mean, it, this is going to have huge neurological impact on the neurons. They know that the actual nanoparticles surrounding the mRNA have already been proven since 2015 to be able to cross the blood-brain barrier to get into the brain. So if you want PEG, which is this material that helps get it across the blood-brain barrier, which is one of the tightest protective mechanisms in our body got created. But this PEG can actually bring anything right through it and deliver it into the brain. I do not want M mRNA particles of any kind, experimental, being taken into my body, crossing my CSF fluid, cerebral spinal fluid, traveling into my brain, and figuring out if it's going to affect, it's going to impact blood vessels in the brain, which is creating these blood clot disorders. It's going to create MS. We already know that from the fact sheets from the FDA. MS is going to be demyelating diseases. are going to come as a side effect of these injections. Uh, you've got encephalopathy, which leads to pressure inside the brain up against the skull, which can lead to anything like autism and everything on the autism spectrum. So I it's believe not just in children. Oh, it's all not adults. Not just in children. children. Oh yeah. Uh, let me let me um, tell you a little story. True story. Um, these are the Dr. Rima Truth reports. After all, I have, as you saw, a beautiful dog. I love my dog. I hope my dog loves me. He acts as if he does. I certainly feed him. Um, and I wanted to take him to the veterinarian. I have found a, a non-vaccinating, -vaccin um, non-drug-oriented uh, veterinarian a couple of hours away in Phoenix, Arizona. And I called today to make an appointment for this dog and for another dog similar to it that I'm getting soon. And I said, by the way, I'm assuming that the doctor and the personnel in the office understand the dangers of the COVID jabs and are unvaccinated people because I do not wish to be in the presence of people who have taken these jabs. Am I correct in that presumption? And the woman on the other end of the phone said, no, you are not correct in that presumption. The doctor and the staff have all been vaccinated against COVID. And I said, thank you. I will find another veterinarian. I will not put myself in the company of people who have done this to themselves and can kill me. I will not do that. Does that mean that, I, that I've limited my social options? Oh, yes. Does that mean that I have a lot of people angry at me because I won't interact with them? Oh, yes. Do I care? Yes, I do care. Am I willing to care enough so that they can kill me for social niceties? No. That's, I think, a, a, a prudent position to take. I have a dear friend who works with us closely, whose mother, 91 years old, got herself vaccinated. The agony for the mother and the son is very significant. He has to decide whether it's worth his life. Exactly. And this is, a, you know, we all have to make those choices. 
I have the same choice with a good friend of mine who uh, should know better than a doctorate in biochemistry and uh, has gotten himself vaccinated. Uh, well, jabbed, excuse me, jabbed. Yes. And, uh, you know, we all know people and we have to self-shield uh, as best we can. And, and this is a man whom, whom Ralph loves dearly, a, a dear longtime friend whom he can no longer see. You know what's amazing, too, is in the, in the practicing world of taking care of patients from around the world, helping them identify the underlying causes of their disease, and then helping them reverse that over a three-month and one-year period. I have been able to almost answer all the questions they've ever asked me. But people are starting to ask me a question I actually don't have an answer for, and I'm hearing it on TV shows and radio shows that I've been on. And that question oh. is, what do the people do who have gotten the jabs? Right. What do they right. do afterwards yes. if they're learning this now? And I literally have to go, we don't know. Like, yeah. for the first it's time nice ever, I don't know. Like, I, let's I, spend I, the next few minutes talking about that. It's so I important. So resonate with that because I, like you, I'm a doctor that people come to with questions that they have not been able to find answers to. And generally, I either can find them or I can reach out to a colleague like you and the wisdom can be found. And the answer, what can people do? Well, you've put poisons into your very cells. There are viruses in your cells and we have tens of thousands of viruses in every cell, we need them. There are viruses in your cells with something called reverse transcriptase, which is going to take this mRNA and put it into your DNA. These are gene therapy devices that are patented to be gene therapy devices. And the way that does that they are they are gene therapy devices is the the mRNA is back engineered into your DNA in spite of the protestations that it can't be done. Well, what do you do when somebody's DNA has been hijacked? If it's been hijacked by a virus, we know what to do. We use these things that we've been talking about, but if it's been hijacked by protected uh, nanobot technology, self-replicating nanobot technology, what the fuck do you do besides quarantine them? Well, here's the issue. In the next couple of months, we're not going to have an EUA set of vaccines. We're going to have approved vaccines. And with a couple of months of that, the new regime in Washington, the imposed regime, will mandate vaccines, and they will have the military going from door to door, making sure you're vaccinated. We are going to face that in the next number of months, uh, just before, just before the hyperinflation and the economic collapse and the civil war. Uh, and we need to survive that. We must stop this. We yeah. have no choice but to take the power that we have as free men and women and say no and protect ourselves in the shield of informed consent and make sure that we have the right to protect our physical integrity. I have always said that the basic right from which all other rights descends and depends is the right of personal physical control. I control my body, what may and may not, must and must not go into it. If I cannot do that, I am a slave. And if we wish to be transhumanized and dead and enslaved for those of us who are permitted to, to survive, to serve these brutal, 
beast masters, then we should do nothing. If we care, then we have to take action. And that's why we we have these shows. That's why you do what you do. That's why Ian, you do what you do. That's why Ralph, who is a trustee of the Natural Solutions Foundation, does what he does. Because we literally have come to the brink of a precipice from which there is no recovery. Yeah, one of that my big biggest- lightning, doctor. Uh, you're saying to me that if it were a virus, we know what to do about it. Both of you doctors. But it's not. It's the hijacking of our genetic system. And what can we do? By the way, is the, sh- the shot is not an intravenous shot. It's an intramuscular shot, right? It is. Can we right. treat it like a snake bite when the, uh, and, and try to get most of the poison out? No. Who matters? Even, even just... I mean, doctor, doctor. I mean, there's been no human clinical trials on these to know how it even behaves. So there's been no safety studies ever done once. And if you, even if you took a look at how it is coronavirus type vaccines have performed in the past. Oh, oh. They've never made it out of animal trials because- So dangerous, right. Once they were exposed, the animal who received the coronavirus type um, vaccine, when they were exposed to the wild virus they were vaccinated against, they all had a hyper reactive immune response and they all died. Not only exposed to the to the virus that they were allegedly vaccinated, quote, quote, against, but a related virus. Now, coronaviruses, about 15% of the ordinary common colds that we've all gotten throughout our lives, been exposed to, coronaviruses mutate, form new variants about once every 10 hours inside you, outside you, this whole nonsense about, oh, there are new variants. It's nonsense. Of course, there are new variants. They're coronaviruses. That's what they do for a living. They change. And we get that. That's why you don't just get one common cold in your life and never get another. Um, You get measles once if you have community immunity, and then you don't get it again because the measles virus doesn't mutate, doesn't... uh, form variants in the same uh, abundant way that the coronavirus does. So, of course, there are new variants because, you know, as, as I said, it's a coronavirus. That's what it does for a living. So now we have many, 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 many variant viruses that are related to it. All of the animals died when exposed to related coronaviruses as well as those that died exposed to the actual same virus. Let me repeat the word all. All means 100%. That's a funny funny word, all. It doesn't mean some, most, many. It means all. The ferrets died, the mice died, the cats died, the monkeys died, the rabbits died. Any animal used in these experiments when re-exposed later, all died. And, and one thing that's horrible about that is, is they all died, 100% of them, so they never were approved to go into human trials. They never even went there. So now you have the next episode of what we call the coronavirus pandemic, and they do zero trials to get this pumped into you, these injections, when the only attempted coronavirus vaccines previously that went through animal trials, 
never safely made it out of there. So everyone should have been hesitant. A lot of medical professionals are very hesitant knowing that, but you should also be very hesitant. And one thing I love to make sure people are aware of, and the only thing I can say is when people say, what do we do if we already got the jabs? What's interesting about that is when people ask that, I'm thinking it is great that they actually are even listening to this conversation, right? Because obviously they've been closed-minded to go get the shot and now they're worried about it. Or what if I just got the first and I haven't got the second yet? I always say the same thing. You have to go at least to do the minimum. Go back to those protocols like Dr. Remy and I said, Rima and I said, go to vitamin C, count on vitamin C. It's been handling coronaviruses and all viruses for millennia. Go back to vitamin C, use your vitamin D, zinc, and selenium because, as Dr. Rima can attest, your own human body's bone marrow makes white blood cells that can be differentiated into natural killer cells. They are called T lymphocytes, thymus lymphocytes. The thymus helps direct the defense against all viruses, bacteria, fungi, and cancer cells in the body. But you have to give it what it needs. It's like having cells without uh, ammunition. I'm sorry, soldiers without ammunition. You got to give it the zinc, the selenium, the vitamin D, the vitamin C, and it can do its job. It's been doing it for millennia. How in the world can we all of a sudden believe as a group of people that the liberties we had a year ago can be taken away from us because of a virus that went throughout the planet? Why is that restricting now jobs, travel, threatening the ability to go to sporting events, with vaccine passports, why why would we strip our liberties to even be able to say no? I tell people all the time. I would go back to Ronald Reagan and Nancy Reagan. Ronald Reagan is the one who signed the horrible 1986 act that allowed liability to be stripped from pharmaceutical companies, from vaccine injuries. But his wife at the same time, when they were putting this huge crackdown on drug abuse around the country, she came out with this phrase that she threw out everywhere, and the media ran with it. When it comes to drugs, just say no. When it comes to these jabs, I would just say no. (laughs) We have a phrase that we've been using on our website, and it is a hashtag, don't you dare. That's the the phrase. And uh, we're trying to get people to hashtag it as wisely as possible. Those are the most important words a free person can utter, don't you dare. Now, there is a question here that I'd like to read and have us all think about. Uh, If there were one very important question for anyone to ask for their own personal doctor, what would you recommend that question be based on the fact that physicians, doctors should be experts in physiology and anatomy? anatomy? Oh, really, where have you been, sir Uh, or madam? Um, And biochemistry to determine if that doctor is lying or not. No, the fact that someone is an expert in biochemistry or anatomy or physiology or surgery or anesthesia doesn't determine whether they're lying or not. You can know a whole lot and lie. Or you can be misinformed. Or you can have your balls removed by the time you graduate from medical school and not care. Um, The question, the right answer to the question, by the way, is not a medical question, it's a legal question. It is, doctor, are you aware that all vaccines are unavoidably unsafe according to our our legal system? Can I tell you what I would suggest also? One question, one question, if you had to ask your doctor anything, (laughs) this is what I would ask them. If they were to write you a prescription for a drug and say that you absolutely need this, if they told you you need this vaccine and it's proven to be 100% safe and effective, if they tell you that, 
I want you to take a pre-written statement that you typed out on your computer, and then you are going to give it to him. I want you to hand it to him and ask him this question. If this, if you're telling me this drug or this vaccine, you are telling me to get this prescribed treatment. If it is 100% safe and effective, if I get any symptoms or side effects or damages from what you're offering me, will you sign that you accept all monetary financial liability if that happens to me? And hand it to him. If you will sign this, I will sign it. Then I will get it. You will Ask be dismissed them, will from the practice. Your, this document. Say that. Will you sign this? If you will, I will get the jab or I'll get the drug. That would be the greatest question you could ever ask them. Do you accept liability? And I promise. And then you need to know why. Then you need to ask yourself, why will they say no? Exactly. And, and there'll be a whole lot of, of twinkle toes, tap dance nonsense in the answer, or you will just be ejected from the practice at that point. Of course, they're not going to accept the responsibility. But even if One they believe- the show, folks. One minute. Even if Ed, our host tells us we can go on a bit, uh, because this is important. Uh, Ian and uh, Doctor, do you have time to talk a little bit longer? Good. Yeah, this I is do. tremendously important. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Ian. Uh, Vanessa, uh, the, my dog would not like to go on longer. But um, what I was going to say is the entire well, you know, Timber knows exactly what time it is. Yep. He, he has a two-hour window. I do a two-hour Zoom call, and then he tells me that he wants to go play 120 minutes after I start. He's very good at telling time. Um, so I'm playing with him while we talk. The, the entire uh, vaccination mythology for children, for adults, and so on, is based upon the complete... Uh, willing ignorance and uh, malfeasance of the entire allopathic medical community. Now, that doesn't mean that these doctors necessarily understand that they're lying, but why is it, why is it that um, chemotherapy specialists, chemical chemotherapy specialists, when they or their families develop cancer, um, don't want to use chemotherapy between 92 and 94 percent of them. Why is it that pediatricians generally in the in the range of 62 to 65 percent do not vaccinate themselves and their own children and their their families and their uh, uh, office staff? Why is it that what they recommend for you, for your children, for your families does not correspond with what they recommend for themselves and their own families. Do you think that they know something that they'd rather not discuss? And do you think that pediatricians, for example, who typically in the United States derive more than half of their income from the injection of toxic materials into the bodies of their patients, do you think that those people really might have some more understanding than they say they do about why these things really shouldn't go into their children but should into yours? And now when health, about 60% of the healthcare professionals in the, uh, the European and North American healthcare communities are refusing these 
jabs, but they're willing to jab them into you. Do you think that these are trustworthy people that you should really rely on the opinion of? Or should you do your own research, listen to doctors like us, listen to commentators who are saying, wait, wait, this is a document from the FDA that didn't show up in the, in the information sheets. Huh? How come? Maybe, just maybe, this is not a good idea. Maybe, just maybe, Operation Lockstep is worth reading from 2010, the Rockefeller Institute report. Maybe, just maybe, Bill Gates is telling us the truth when he says vaccines should be used to reduce the population. Why do we have to ask doctors anything if they're behaving as enemies of the public? Indeed. And I will tell you, uh, just for common sense purposes, let's share a story. you mind a story real quick? Please. Yeah. So when, when we talk about vaccines, I'm not one that's just been bothered by COVID-19 injections. I knew that was going to be their plot all along to do this. But I've been questioning all vaccines since my first son was born, and I had five children. My first son was born. He was vaccinated fully up until a year. I saw a Newsweek article in 2002 that had title cover was, MMR vaccine, question mark, autism. And I just read the article because I didn't know, went home and there was no conclusive def defined conclusion. So I actually just went up to my wife at the time and I said, hey, can you tell me what the next scheduled vaccine is for Bryce? And she pulled off the schedule off the fridge and goes, it's the MMR, it's in two weeks. And I said, cancel that. I'm gonna go study as much as I can on pubmed.gov at the chiropractic school I just started. And I said, I'm gonna spend time just researching CDC documents and as much as I can around vaccines. By the time my next son was born two years later, I knew I wasn't vaccinating anybody ever again. But in the hospital, I have to let you know this, what, the, the illogical, non-common sense part of the vaccine argument. My, my son is born in a hospital. A nurse comes walking up to me as he's being cleaned up and says, I need you to sign these forms. And I said, what are the forms? And she looks at me and says, it's the forms to vaccinate him. And I said, no, I need the exemption forms. I'm not letting you do that. And she goes, you're not going to vaccinate your son or for, for any of them? And I said, nope. And she goes, I don't even know where that form is. And I said, well, take that clipboard with all those forms and flip it up to maybe to the last one. Maybe it's back there. And it was the last two. So I signed the first one. She's like, I can't believe you're doing this. And I said, uh, well, you obviously don't know what I know. And she goes to walk off and she pulls up the form I just signed. And there's another form underneath. And it's for the hepatitis B vaccine which all people listening is the one they give day one of birth. Right. And she turns around and she goes, are, oh, there's another one. Are you going to exclude this one also? And I said, oh, yeah, for sure, that one. You're definitely not giving my kid that one. And she goes, she pulls the clipboard from me and she goes, Dr. Artis or Mr. Artis at the time. She, he goes, how can you sign this document? You know the hepatitis B virus can live on a doorknob for up to 24 hours. Now, this is a medically trained nurse. And I looked at her and I said this. I looked at her just like this immediately. And I said, how long have you worked in this hospital? And she goes, seven years. And I said, how long have you been around this neonatal unit? And she goes, seven years. And I said, I need you to think about the last seven years of your career. And she goes, okay. I said, now focus on it. I want you to tell me, how many newborns have you seen open a door in this hospital? <laughs> and she did just that. She started laughing and I said, hold up. No, no, no. I know you think that's ridiculous, but why did you just say that to me? And she goes, oh, I don't know. I said, if you think it's ridiculous, why did you say that? And she goes, I don't know. I said, I do. And I'll tell you in just a second. But I do have a question for you. And she goes, what's that? And I said, 
where do people get hepatitis B virus from? Most commonly, where do they get it? And she goes, sex and uh, unprotected sex and intravenous drug use. And I said, okay, great. I need you to sit there for a second. How many babies have you seen in the last seven years having sex in the nursery and injecting themselves <laughs> with drugs that you're not doing? And she goes, obviously none. I said, well, then why are we vaccinating them with hepatitis B vaccine on day one? And then I looked at her and I said, now stay with me because I know you don't know anything. What's the half-life of the hepatitis B vaccine? And she goes, I don't even know what that is. And I said, that means you have immunity for this amount of time in half and double it. And she goes, I don't know. I said, the half-life is six years. That means you only have maybe 12 years of immunity. Now, I need you to think about something. If it only gives you 12 years of immunity towards hepatitis B, so that means he'll have somewhat immunity till he's 12. You have to understand this is the argument around vaccines, and I don't understand it. I said to her, I need you to think about when you were 12 years old and afterwards. How many 12-year-olds that you know, 12 and younger, in your lifetime have had sex or done illegal drugs intravenously? <laughs> and she shook her head and goes, I don't know any. And I said, why are we giving it to them then on day one to cover the first 12 years of the life? Why don't we give it to them when they're 12? to cover them from 12 to 24 when they're going to be promiscuous in high school and college. This is when that's going to happen. It makes zero sense to give this kid an injection on the first day of life. And she looked at me and goes, you can sign the form. And I said, thank you. Because <laughs> you were informed in your exercise of informed consent. And that leads me at the end of our program to remind folks that we have the uh, vaccine refusal card, which I do I have a copy. I do have a copy here, of course. Uh, I refuse all vaccines. The vaccine refusal card you can obtain by going to tinyurl.com forward slash AVD card, AVD card or nsfmarketplace.com. If you do not assert your informed consent right, it will, be, it will be deemed waived. So that's the message of the day. Thank you. Thank you, Ralph. Thank you, Ian. I want I want to back to your guests again. Yes, I want go to ahead. basically reiterate, uh, and it's great information passed through this discussion. I just want to reiterate that doc, Dr. Gifford Jones said on my show a little more than a year ago, just what you, uh, just what the two doctors here have reiterated is that uh, vitamin C, and he said verbatim, taken intravenously will kill any virus. So I'm very happy to hear uh, Dr. Artisan and Dr. Rima speak about the importance of vitamin C. I've used vitamin C intravenously uh, with my patients and with myself when I have, have been ill uh, for decades. I have been a physician for now 52 years. And I'm sorry, 51 years, I lied to you. 50, I graduated from medical school in 1970. And in that time, I have seen zero side effects except wellness. I have seen a lot of wellness. <laughs> I have seen a lot of wellness result from natural treatments, from frequency treatments, from homeopathy, from nutritional treatments, from uh, dietary and, and uh, other um, interventions that are totally non-toxic. And in that time, I have pres prescribed zero drugs. And I am, by the way, also a psychiatrist, zero. They're not necessary. And, and you know that, Dr. Artis, you know that, that health doesn't require 
poisons. Yeah, That's an amazing idea. Yeah, this is wonderful. So I just want everyone to think about this. They are censoring and telling you you can't use vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc, or selenium. I want anyone listening to this radio show to tell me, have you ever heard that someone died from vitamin C? Have you ever heard someone died from zinc? Have you ever heard somebody died from selenium poisoning? I've never heard it. And just like you mentioned with vitamin C, there are no side effects with vitamin C. Maybe if you get too much, you might get diarrhea, but that's just, you've reached a point. Not IV. If you get Maybe. it on IV, you don't yes, get but, diarrhea. But I just have to tell you, the FDA, the, the FDA October report has 110 diseases they know are going to happen as side effects to the vaccine. Vitamin C has none of these. Zero. And you don't even have to think or worry about doing it intravenously. Your body knows how to use it if you actually take it orally, too. So you just need to take a certain amount. I recommended 10,000 milligrams this entire period just for prophylactic reasons. And it was enough to handle it. When, it, when COVID went through my home, it was my wife and my son that got it. And we killed it off in three days, all symptoms, with vitamin C, zinc, and selenium. It's all we had to use. It was super easy, super safe, no side effects, and no deaths, which is amazing. And How I don't do you know that they got COVID rather than just the flu. Oh, trust me. Oh. I actually, when I say they got COVID, there was this little nose swab that my wife's Mother is in an assisted living home. They said she had to have this PCR test, which, by the way, is super inaccurate, and I never believed any of it. But she had to get it done, and that's what came back positive when she did that. And then my son plays high school football, and they wouldn't let him go to the game without a positive or negative test. So that's how he got suckered into that, too. And, of course, we know that the the uh, PCR test positive, false positive is about 97%. It's so incredible. of 100 positive results, 97 of them are meaningless and the other three are questionable. So it's a wonderful test. <laughs> now, I know, now I know you guys have a ton of resources that you've thrown up and addresses you've thrown up. I don't know if you mind, but there's- Please, I was going to ask you, please give us yours. Okay, so there's a lot of interviews I've done that are, that are hosted on a website called vocalnow.com and vocal is spelled V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W.com. In the cultural section of that website, no, it's V-O-K-A-L, like vocal, like you're being vocal, V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W.com. And on, in the cultural section is the Dr. Artist Show, and you can see the attorneys who are suing the CDC. You can see my interviews with them, the medical doctors who have been, uh, for the first time ever, up in arms about the medical profession all of a sudden. You'll see their interviews on there. But also, I know you guys have tons of resources. I just have been digging into this as much as you guys have. But I have a 20-page report with supportive documents to everything I'm talking about. And if uh, anyone would, would like to get that. To publish that. Anyone that would like to get a copy of that, you can email me at doc, D-O-C, at artistlabs.com. A-R-D-I-S-L-A-B-S.com. And doc is D-O-C, at artistlabs.com. Uh, we have had a wonderful uh, reaction anytime we go on these shows to this report. And it's D-O-C at A-R-D-I-S, not A-R-T, A-R-D-I-S. I'm so sorry. You're okay. D-O-C uh, at A-R-D-I-S. It's a little hard to type with a large dog on your arm. A-R-D-I-S. dot com. It's also referenced in there the affidavit, the actual affidavit of the lawsuit against the CDC with all supportive documents. The CDC lied since March 2020. And actually, for the first time ever, allowed the flu or pneumonia to be actually diagnosed 
without a positive COVID test of any kind, and you could list it as a COVID-19 case. And then they paid the doctors and hospitals 20% more for that right. diagnosis for all Medicare yes. patients. So they were incentivized to exaggerate and inflate the numbers without any positive tests. And incentivized to put them on ventilators. That was a $39,000 payment if a patient was on a ventilator for 10 seconds. Oh, and do you know that right. when they used remdesivir as the drug, it was proven to cause acute kidney failure in 22% of all people? Yes. Then you could charge them for dialysis machines, yes. which you heard about in New York like yes. crazy. So this is a horrible plot to destroy hundreds of thousands of people's lives, which they did. And now they're going to physically murder people. The other day, someone asked me about the CDC and I said, you know, I had this flash go through my brain the other day that the CDC is no longer the Centers for Disease Control. It's actually the conspiring death cult is what I call it. I call it the Center for Disease Creation. Yeah, very good. The death cult is really good. Folks, Timbert says the show is over. <laughs> Ian, we gotta have you back soon. Doctor, we need to have you back soon too. Thank you ever so much. That's incredible. And I'd love to come on any other time. And that dog's ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> He's there to protect her. All right. Thank you guys. <laughs> and thank you, Ian, for the introduction. Thank you, Ian. All right. Very nice, very nice doctor. Nice meeting you. It was great to meet you too. Have a great afternoon and evening. All right.